The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Well, it's hard to pour out the. Uh, well, no. It is hard to pour the Pinot out. You don't want to do that. And I'm not. It's a great vineyard. It's just, it's spectacular. Well, hey everybody, welcome to episode. Let me see. That would be 56 with Bob Cabral. We're talking about Bob Cabral wines today, and Molly's begging from everybody, and so she's she's getting involved. So Bob, you finally put your name on a bottle of wine. But you can't find it hardly. You can, it's on the back a little bit. Um, well, if you read backwards, you can see it. <laughs> and if you can read backwards, yeah, it's it's on there. So um, right, there nice, you go. Nice, beautiful. There you go. It's always a good sound. And play guitar. I like that. So is that um, a Fender you got here? Pardon? Is that a Fender you're playing here in this yeah, photo? Yeah, it is. It's it was um, nice one. Yeah. No, I had a buddy working a nice at Fender that. Yeah. Used to send me a lot of guitars. So. Well, why now? Well, you know, it was uh, 2015. I was working at Three Sticks and really just kind of re-immersing myself uh, in the wine business. Um, you know, I, I got to be honest with everybody that, you know, when you leave a job after 17 years, almost two decades, it's almost... Uh, it's it's a it's a it's more emotional than it is almost anything because you just kind of put yeah, your heart and soul into something for such a long time that you you have to disassociate yourself all of a sudden you're just kind of cut off it's almost like a divorce actually and when I found three sticks to work with uh, I, w- I was able to kind of re push myself into the in, into what what. I love to do the most, which was grow grapes and make wine. And I always left the caveat open. At, at William Selliam, I had a non-compete. I couldn't make wine for anybody, including myself, other than William Selliam. But they, they pretty much compensated me for not wanting to do that, which is a bit of an oxymoron because anybody that's made their own wine knows that all your money <laughs> Pay me to, to not the, make wine? I'll take, right, right, I'll take that gig. Anyway. Right. Pay me to not make wine. Right. It's like... You know, they, those guys saved me so much money, Sam. You know, it's like, yeah. So uh, it was it was in 2000. I'd been looking at some vineyard sites, actually, with uh, a friend, Charlie Chenoweth, uh, out on the Russian River in Sonoma Coast area, who was farming a lot of grapes for uh, Michael Brown, a good friend of, of uh, ex Costa Brown, now with Cirque. And, um, you know, it was late spring. My wife kept asking me, why don't you make some wine? Bill Price was asking me, why aren't you making your own wine? Do you need grapes? Do you need barrels? Do you need capital? <laughs> um, then his Jeez. president, do you I need grapes? I had a boss like yeah, that. Lot, lots uh, of uh, you know, some of all and, of us. Yeah. Uh, it just, again, I had to have a purpose for doing this. I, I really didn't, I, I, I resisted. 54 years old, what am I going to do? I, I knew what it was going to take to build a brand. And I wasn't going to do this kind of at, at 55 miles an hour, I, I got to go 120 if I'm in the wine business. I'm just, I'm not going to drive um, the speed limit. So I ended up um, Why drive finally, 55? Why you drive know, I mean, d- Sam hasn't done it in 30 years, right. so why, why should we start? My, my son, the Dane, moon the other night. My, right? my, my, my son, Dane, has just discovered Sammy Hagar. Yeah. yeah, and, and there's a nice just, quote. Sam's here got some great yeah. songs from you know. Sammy Hagar. Bob Cabral is quite friend. the character, and his wines also have outstanding character. Which <laughs> do I prefer? Well, I've always said it's better to have character than to be one. I'll take Bob's wine anytime. <laughs> Sammy Hagar, the Red yeah. Rocker, yep. you know, the Red Rocker. How, yeah. do, how do you meet all these people? How did that? You know, how it's all it's, a, their it's all been through wine. You know, it's uh, these are he's a huge wine, very knowledgeable about wine. His asked me to do wine projects for quite some time and i'm like well cut me in on one of your spirits deals and then we'll yeah. do the because we're gonna need to make enough money 
that we can lose it in the wine. Need some of that Cabo Wabo, right? We need some of that Cabo Wabo. We can make all the wine you want. Exactly. So, um, you know, looking at a wine project, I finally went to my wife, and and she was. We were having a discussion. She's like, "You got to do this. Like, you can do it. You got to do it." And uh, I said, "Okay, here's the conditions. You don't take a salary. I don't take a salary. We bring in no other money." So we had some money from uh, some compensation I had from Williams. I said, I'm willing to put in this much. This is not a bottomless checking account. Once we hit that, if the wine hasn't sold and we're not making it, we're going to sell it off and the brand closes down. But we are the only two members of the LLC, and we're going to use the money for children's charities. And we can give it back to whomever we want, whenever we want, and how much we want. And she said, and I said, and I'm not selling a drop of it. (laughs) You've got to sell it. And then she kind of laughed, and I said, I'm serious. I mean, you know, to get me to come to a winemaker dinner, I told her it was going to cost her a five thousand dollar appearance fee. (laughs) So I haven't done a winemaker dinner yet. Go through my manager, Shep Gordon, right? Right. Talk to Shep, man. I'm telling you, talk to Shep, and then Shep's going to want his cut too. (laughs) So, so we started the brand. Um, So I started making wine, and then um, I brought in a designer that I met through Carlo and Dante Mondavi. Um, a, a guy mm. named Byron uh, Hoffman, and he had done the websites for like Costa Brown, and then he actually designed the rain uh, uh, labels. Once you said that, it yeah, all kind of made sense. So, yeah. and I met Byron. I had no idea who he was. I was at a at a rain release party over at the Barlow again at this pizza parlor, and I'm talking to this guy, and I'm like, these labels are just so effing cool, man. Like, this is great. Do you know? much about him he's like yeah well i designed them and i go so what do you do for a living he goes well actually i'm a website designer i don't do wine labels and so we kind of talked and i said well i'm starting this this brand and i actually helped carlo and dante get some grapes in 2014 from out on the coast and uh and that's how i kind of ended and then i wanted to buy some of the wine and i ended up at the party so i said i want to um i'm going to start this wine brand for Ultimately, after operating expenses, he goes, well, is it going to be a 501c3? And I did look into that, and the rules were just... It's impossible. It's, it's impossible. And I realized also, I only have the one daughter, Paige, Rose, which we'll get to the Chardonnay as in Anne Rose, um, that it'll have some value, and it needs to, to be a real business. And if I got to pay taxes, that's fine. But then anything left over, I can still use for for charity. And I can give it to whomever we want to give it to. I still sit on an advisory board for Emerald Lagasse's Foundation down in New Orleans. And it all goes to Edible Gardens and and children's charities down there. So I said to Byron, but I need a label designer. And he said... I said, would you consider doing that again? And he said, sure, but I need to know more about you. So kind of fast forward, Byron and I and Heather, my wife, and Paige, Byron came out to the house and spent probably 30 hours with us, broken up in three to five hour segments. And we went, I'm into the old Fillmore posters and the concert posters of the they 60s. Made, there are some beautiful ones out there. We, we, we played a lot of music. What was I into? And, and, you know, what were my passions? And, you know, we, he had me pick out a bunch of labels that I liked elements of. So from around the world, I like this, I don't like that. And I said, you know, <laughs> I think it's pretty egotistical to want to put my name on the label. So this probably isn't a very good marketing ploy whatsoever. But if you look at the front, what appears to be the front label, it's really difficult to find who makes this wine. Um, you know, in little tiny print on the bottom, it does say produced and bottled by Bob Cabral Wines, Sonoma, California. But I've got to look through my bifocals of my glasses to see that. And then in kind of bubble letters on the uh, left-hand side, if you're looking at the label, backwards it says Bob Cabral Wines. Mm. It's a little more prominent on what is 
perceived as the back label, but it's actually the official front label because it's got all of the government. Uh, That's a funny distinction. I, I don't know if we've talked about that much on this, but yeah, the there's all these rules as far as wine labels go, and it all comes from the, the Tax and Trade Board. It's all about paying your taxes from the federal government. and Following so, their rules. So almost every single wine label that you see, when you see a wine label on the shelf of a supermarket or in your cellar, anything that's been made in America in the last probably 25 years, the the front label, when they applied for that label to be a, approved by the federal government, they said that was the back label. And then the back label, where all the Surgeon General's warning and the alcohol... Contains sulfites. Contains sulfites. Yeah. All of the mumbo is... That you know you associate as the back label often you know might have a barcode on it. Who knows when you when that label was applied for, that was the front label. So the the front label in to the regulators and the front label to the consumers are usually the, the opposite. Usually the opposite, man. Right, right. That's so, so strange. It's so, it's it is. So it's, it's, it really, it's, it's, it's all about rules and regulation. It's our government. Nobody, your then, tax dollars at work. And then nobody how to get around them. Nobody yeah. but We've the spent, government. I spend a lot of money on how to get around all these rules. Yeah, you have yeah. to so that you have a product that's that's sellable to the consumer. Right. Rule breakers. So Sam. I kind of laid out some of the some of my um, constraints. I I didn't um, really like. I said want my name on there. I didn't own any vineyards. So I was going to have to buy fruit from everybody, which means that if I put the vineyard's name on there, and I've had this done to me several times over my career in Sonoma County, is that, you know, you get a big score or things get going really good for the vineyard. And all of a sudden they either yank the fruit from you or they jack the price up on you. And I wasn't going to go through that. So I decided that all my wines would have proprietary names, and then I could put I could put whatever I wanted into it. As far as the Pinot Noir goes, I also believe that my best blends were multiple vineyards. Right. Uh, there are, I, this is a personal belief, and I think a lot would call me crazy, but I think there are very few sites even in Sonoma County, that are worthy of a single vineyard, single block designation, like Burgundy. You or, guys agree with that? You know, I, you know, when I came up through the business, the vineyard designated blocks that were out there, they were there because they were distinctive and because they were unique and because they were high quality. It Recently, in the last X amount of years, vineyard designates are a way for small wineries to try to give the impression that this vineyard is um, worth more with, and, and exceptional and, and, and different unique. and unique and you worth know? more money. But I think in some cases, it takes years and years and years Agreed. of that vineyard being planted until you can call it that, you know. Some of the vineyards that Sam's dad farms, the vineyards we've been talking about in the previous show, yeah. um, those have been but around forever. But even parts of Durrell, you, 600 acres, not all yeah. planted, but there's some average B, B-plus blocks. They're not all A-plus blocks. Yeah. Same thing at Rocchioli, same thing at Hirsch. I know these guys, I, they listen to this, they're not going to like this. And right. Tom, your I still price, want a couple tons of Rocchioli when yeah, I can get it. Your grape prices just went up, Bob. Right, exactly. <laughs> But they do have, there are just poor blocks. Let's yeah. face it, everybody's, and if you're farming over 20 acres on a single vineyard, there are going to be sites that just aren't as good as others. And sometimes it's because the grower hasn't matched the rootstock or the clone correctly, or the varietal even correctly. Sam talked earlier about, on a previous podcast, about, I'm not sure if we should have been growing Cabernet or Cabernet or... Cabernet Franc or, right. you know, and, and that's true. We, we don't know. This is a little bit of hit and miss or trial by error. And I think a lot of the successes that we have on these single vineyards are really trial and error. They're by chance. They're chance. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when you talk about Grand Cru vineyard sites, you know, you talk about Burgundy, Bordeaux, they've been farming that site for 500 years, 1,000 yeah. years. You know, Centuries. Durrell you know? Vineyard, you know, the great vineyards around, you know, Monterosa is maybe as far back you can go as a you know really distinctive named vineyard designate that was planted in the 1880s you know so yeah. we have at least 
century <laughs> to go before you know we've really identified exactly the greatest sites well, and the greatest blocks. And, but that's and the fun part that. about yeah, this. Yeah, this yeah. is what's really great about yeah. you know even my part of this history is that we get to explore and find those sites you and get, then nurture. We get those our fifty sites. vintages to yeah. play with it. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm happy to do my fifty, and then I want to get the next guy excited for the next fifty and the next fifty. You know, so I went with proprietary names um, with with the Pinot Noir uh, Troubadour. Uh, I went with Russian River Valley. It's from very cold areas of Russian River Valley. I think Russian River Valley is is very diverse from a topographical as well as from a climatic um, area. It's a very large area, actually, to be called Russian River Valley. I specifically chose sites that had really nice that kind of moon dust goldridge soil because i think that that comes that characteristic no matter what the clone or what the rootstock that it comes through in the texture of the of pinot noirs mm. so i wanted to make a wine that represented those best parts of russian river which i think are the goldridge soils mm. and they they're interdispersed throughout that right. that area um, I went for the colder sites because I like big acids on my wines and I want big ripe tannins. Um, but I don't want overly, overly fruity, expressive kind of Pinot Noir. I want, I want it to show the site more than what I can do with, with whole clusters and whole berries. I mean, there's a little bit of manipulation that you can, you can kind of do there. The name Troubadour on the Pinot Noir came about. A Troubadour is a person who kind of wanders the countryside giving, um, singing um, lyrics yep. and songs, um, telling stories through song. And I'm hoping that I'm telling the true Russian River story through my Troubadour. And it's a couple of different sites within the Russian River Valley. And... Um, you know, I, I get to blend it. I, I, and for me, that's my You that's get to have fun muse. with this. It is yeah. so nice to meet a winemaker. Bob, I can't tell you over the last 10 years, being a wine buyer, how many times you hear the story of people coming in and they're pouring their wines and they say, oh no, we try to do as little as possible. All we try to do is not fuck it up. We, we'd get good grapes, we'd bring it in, we'd press them, we'd put it in the bottle. And after a while, you're wondering... The hell do these guys do? What are we getting paid? Maybe that's All why we don't get paid so much. They, they go on vacation. They're yeah. just winemaker vacations are like, yeah. but <laughs> blending. We always love the you know the part of the menu at the Girl in the Fig where, that had the red blends. We love that because it always it sort of showed the artistry of the winemaker and yeah. and and you had such different wines and complex wines and it really showed a personality of the winemaker. Um, when and they, it shows when they were a vision blends. in that glass and right. I, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, up until that point, I'll, I'll be honest that it is a little bit of lazy winemaking. I don't do any inoculums. I don't use any cultured yeast or any cultured bacteria. I just, I want to bring in the site as much as I can where I can and then take care of it. Um, and and that's, that's kind of the idea. The uh, Cuvée... Um, Anne Rose, the Chardonnay, comes from, again, the Sonoma the Coast. Yeah. Uh, Let's go for the Chardonnay. Anne is my wife's middle name, and Rose is my daughter's middle name. And I think I wanted to make a very feminine, uh, Chablis-like, Grand Cru Chablis-like um, Chardonnay. And it's three barrels, so I had one, one brand new, one once used, and one twice used barrel. It's again, I don't do any inoculums. I just let it do its thing, which is very nerve wracking because my 2017, <laughs> two of the four, I actually expanded. I, I made four barrels in 2017, and two of the four. Oh, that's beautiful. Still had 30 grams of sugar in January. It happens, it happens <laughs> to the best of us, right? And so I sulfured it just a little bit. Yep. Moved it from a warm room to a cold room, and within a week, it started fermenting. Wow. And by the 1st of April, it had finished. It actually finished mallow before it finished primary. And the alcohol is only like 14.4, natural alcohol. Um, the Pinot's 14.1. Um, again, I'm not trying to, I, you know, I moved it from a cold room to a warm room or a warm room to a cold room. That's the amount of ma manipulation I'm kind of doing on these right. things. Um, and, and those are things that, 
unless you're a boots on the floor winemaker and really paying attention, there are people that miss that. And the reason why they have 0.3 grams a week before they're going to bottle it is because they weren't paying attention all the way through. Right. right. Um, and so winemakers do, in fact, good winemakers do earn their money and just by paying attention. Yeah, you're, and then not, go on you're not running it through any processes and reverse osmosis and adding. No, to it and, and actually, the the, the Chardonnay was bottled unfiltered, unfined and unfiltered, like that. unfiltered, just settled. You know, right. um, the Troubadour uh, had some bacteria counts that I didn't like, so we cross flowed it, and it's you know I'm not. I think filtration is one of those things. It, it, I've actually improved wines by filtering them. I sterile bottled an old vine Zin at Alderbrook back in 1995 that won like 13 gold medals. And I just didn't tell anybody that I had sterile bottled it. Hadn't finished Mallow, <laughs> you know? And, you know, hey. I couldn't have bottles blowing up on the shelf. Right. I mean, this was my career, you know, <laughs> let alone it was somebody else's money. But, you know, I mean... You just you can't. Never seen a bottle blow up. Oh, Have you? Well, I, you Sam, didn't grow up. I've seen, uh, I've seen Katuri wines in your house. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, I've had a few Katuri corks push pretty pretty far out there. So, yeah. Um, never, never. There's actually isn't a filter at my uncle's winery. I don't think he's ever filtered anything. Yeah. I, I mean, hey Bob. Yeah. Um, on that, you said you cross flowed it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that cross flow filtering is a gentler filter than, let's say, just a a like pad. Them. Yeah, I do. Having and I wasn't against pads, right. to be honest with you. I used pad grew up on those right. and, and even DE filters. Sure. Um yeah, the technology at Williams Salyam, seriously, I never I never filtered a Pinot right. in seventeen That's years. Awesome. Yeah. You know. Freaked me out well, I had some gas or I didn't Pedalant. I called them pedalant when when the owner called me from New York one Sunday night that he had opened six bottles of the Central Coast and they were fizzy. Yeah. And I said, they're not fizzy, they're peddling. Yeah. And he said, well, whatever they are, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, we can, we can cure this. You guys told me, do not follow Bert's methods. Do not filter the wines. I go, let me filter these suckers. And he was like, no, we're not going to do that. And I said, okay. And I looked back. I don't know. I think it was wood sugars eventually that had broken up during because they didn't get fizzy for almost a year and a half after they were bottled. Wow. Yeah. So I think it was complex carbohydrates that came apart, and finally somebody found something to eat, and the party was off. Yeah. It know? just the cross flow to me always just seems so disruptive mm-hmm. to the wine, and I and and filtering on a pad or a kuno just seems gentler to me and i i mm-hmm. at this point have had to do very little filtering um but I, and i don't have much experience with cross flow that's why i asked the question i didn't either until i got to three sticks so i had i had used uh, a kuno filter on the chart a couple of chardonnays at william Salem because they didn't finish mallow but i'd never done a pinot yeah. so you know, Don was really comfortable with it, and, and you know, Don is still one of my heroes yeah. in the wine business. So it was kind of like, well, it was okay from the hero. So you know, I think I, it was worth a try. Yeah. So that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for answering that. Well, how do, you, you say you haven't been moving a lot of this now. How how do you get it? Where is it available? Only from you? Yeah, just straight on our website. If you go to the straight? website and you go up to the upper left-hand corner, it, it doesn't even say buy. It says acquire oh, or something. You no, know, it's something, fancy. Something you can't buy it. You can only acquire it. You can only acquire it. it. No, yeah. It doesn't acquire. have prices either if you have to ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... Um, so these are both 2015 wines. Those okay. were the only 15 wines I was that I made. And then in 16, uh, we had much fuller clusters, you know, uh, very little uh, chicks and hens on the Pinots. And um, I really felt on two of the three blocks that I needed to do some sagne or bleeding. So I pulled this juice off and, I'm, you know, I'm paying like seven grand a ton for this stuff. And I'm looking at this juice and I just I couldn't throw it down the yeah. drain. But I also didn't want to make some insipid French style porch sipping sweet Chardonnay <laughs> or um, rosé. I just didn't want to do that. This is not that. No. <laughs> so uh, I, I drew the juice off and. 
uh, I had already pressed out one of the uh, first tanks, and we took the head out of a barrel, and I threw some pressed out Pinot Noir skins, and I tried to, you know, get through the seeds and the stems from the whole, because I use somewhere between 25 and 30% whole cluster, so I tried to eliminate those, and I dumped the juice back on to these pressed out skins and let it start fermenting. The weirdest Delastage ever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And it started to go, and it dropped a couple of bricks, and I had it in a cold room because I didn't want it to go too fast. And again, the Pinots were uninoculated, so I didn't have to inoculate the rosé. I saw some color on it, and then I had to rent a little tiny press from the the beverage people on Piner Avenue in Santa Rosa, yep. like like so, some like home winemaking. Yeah, equipment. it's a little like basket press where you get your beer equipment. Yeah, beer exactly. equipment, yeah. mead, yeah. cheese making, that yeah. kind of stuff. So I went down there. I got I rent this thing, sanitized the shit out of it because who <laughs> knows what's on it. Right. And I'm a clean freak, definitely. I I'm I don't have too much tolerance for which a lot of home winemakers aren't. Yeah. Aren't yeah. <laughs> so one thing we can control. There's so much out of our control, but sanitation. So then I. Pressed it off. By now, it's about 15 bricks. And I took um, almost 20% of the dry red that had been pressed off into barrels already and added it back to the the pressed off juice that had been on the skins and then put it back into another used, like a three-year-old Francois Ferrer I bought from William Salyam and then stuck it in the cold room and let it let it finish Just go its thing. really, really slow. So it went really slow. Wow. So it's a partial mallow, partial barrel ferment, partial skin ferment, and it's got some tannin. Yeah. Uh, it's got some body. Well, it's got amazing it's definitely, color. Yeah, yeah. For for a, that's one hundred percent pinot. When yeah, when you when know? I opened it and it, we started pointing around and it was rosé of pinot noir, but it looks like. Uh, I mean, it's got yeah. more color than the the Casanata, which is yeah. Syrah based, right? Right. So that's crazy. And I don't know it if makes any of now. you remember that Saintsbury used to make a wine called Garnet, which yeah. was very light. Yeah. I used, and I call this either light Pinot or dark rosé. Mm-hmm. But I wanted something with substance, and you know, unfortunately, this is a podcast. But if you could see me, I love to eat. That's why I'm in the wine business. <laughs> In fact, I like to eat more than I like making wine. (laughs) And I wanted something that I could have with food. So partial mallow, little bit of barrel. And I called it American. I'm a big Tom Petty fan. And when I was doing the labels, um, just I came up with American. It wasn't French. Um, And then when you start doing these proprietary names, everything's taken. Everything is trademarked. The fact that you got American Girl and Troubadour. It's like yeah. some, somebody out there is going solid, yeah. solid fist, uh, uh, you know, right. palm to forehead on going, well, well it's called lie. Bob Cabral wines because I couldn't use Cabral. That's that was really that was registered by a Canadian wine company that was bringing in Portuguese oh. port in 2001. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yep. I've seen that. You've seen that. Yep. Yeah. They stole and it's your like name. 15 bucks a bottle, you know, yep. and and, you know, what do I, I I'm going to get sued by a big conglomerate in the and it was registered for that's North when you, America. That's when you call a bill price and be like, you yeah. know, I, I didn't need barrels and I yeah. didn't need grapes. But I need I a lawyer. But I need a lawyer. <laughs> right? Well, we ha- we have a friend, Randy Hester, who actually has a wine called Cease and Desist. Yeah. Because he got a cease and desist, and desist for yeah. what, I, what he was calling yeah. it. I don't know what well, the earlier name was. but uh, The yeah. first William Salyam Estate Wines, we bought the ranch from the great-granddaughter of Cecil and Luella Litton, L-I-T-T-O-N. And Cecil was like the head of the West Side Road phone company in the 40s and 50s. <laughs> I found this history because I get the Healdsburg Tribune, that massive yes. newspaper publication right. that goes out. Right up there with the Wall right. Street Journal and the New York Times. Exactly. Right. And so <laughs> for historical purposes, I, I and then I get a cease and desist. Once we got the 100 points, I got a cease and desist from uh, Ridge. For the Litton Springs. Right. For Litton Springs. I was, I was actually, when you, I, yeah. I heard you say that earlier. Yeah. I'm like, what about, and I what called, about Ridge? And I called Paul Draper. And, and he's just the sweetest man. And he, he, Paul's really a great guy. And I said, Paul, it's like, it's a hundred dollar Pinot Noir from Russian River. You have like a fifteen dollar Zen from Dry Creek. Right. 
Well, and he said, I totally... That's not way to start the conversation. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> no, but it, I didn't start it that way. But it was like, you know, it's spelled differently. I gave him all the historical. We only make a few hundred cases. And then I said, you know, they aren't even in the same categories. And he said, I totally get it, but I've got to protect the name. And any deviation of it from spelling. So that's when in 2000, he let me use through the 2008 vintage because we had already uh, bottled and labeled it. And um, he said, yeah, if you just don't use it after that or re- mm. reference it as much as you can. I mean, he was really cool about it. It was the lawyers that get yeah, nasty. It's always so, the lawyers. You know? I, it's funny, though, that even the spelling was different and yeah. they still um, wouldn't let go of that. No, because like the attorney said, you know, in a district court, it's an alcoholic beverage from Northern California. That's they, they don't even know category. about Russian River or Dry yeah. Creek. They don't care. No. no, you know, and it could have been beer, but and s- they probably would have sided with Sam. Ridge. You're right. I mean, getting Troubadour and American Girl on there. Those are great names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're gonna you scored. Next thing you know, Tom Petty's estate will come after you. Probably. <laughs> or the, actually, you know what? My trademark attorney asked me about. There's a doll. My yeah, daughter's American, had them. Yeah. American Girl dolls that sell for like two hundred dollars a doll. Kind of thing. Different market. My daughter yeah. has ten American um, yeah. girls. No doubt, and no, they all my, have names has like and backstories. Well, and uh, they can make them look like your kid. It's the creepiest thing that weird. you've ever seen. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, they've, they've got a big store in Chicago, yeah. and they were all. So anyway, we ended up, we ended up with uh, this would be our first release, which is still available. I think my wife's down to like thirteen cases of Chardonnay and maybe Chardonnay's delicious. Forty mm-hmm. cases of Pinot. How many did you make totally? So there were uh, eight barrels of Pinot, three barrels of Chardonnay, and 60 some odd cases of rosé. So 75 barrels of uh, cases of Chardonnay and eight barrels is what, uh, 200 cases of the the Pinot? Yeah. 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 Not quite because I do some. Right, because you did a little. uh, Yeah. Big bottles. I, I, the Chardonnay is really beautiful, really and good. I am yeah. probably one that drinks very little Chardonnay. Oh. But I'll, um, I'm going to have to pick up a little bit of this. What, what is the, what is the pricing structure on these wines? <laughs> oh wait a minute, that's not a good sign. <laughs> well, how much do you want to give to charity, Brian? Well, that's what, <laughs> well, well, that was my other question too. Yeah. Is exactly where the money's going for yeah, these wines? Yeah. So. Um, and everybody thought definitely I was crazy. Um, Comfortably numb. Is that from his website? There you go. Yeah. From your website. So the American Girl Rosé is $75 a bottle. Uh-huh. The Chardonnay is $100 mm-hmm. a bottle. And the Pinot Noir is $125 okay. a bottle. And um, yeah, after operating costs, it still doesn't give you much money yeah. left, even at those, yeah. you know. Well, Unfortunately, all the licenses and um, your overhead for the roughly 300 cases we made of everything is the same, whether you make 500 or six, roughly, or 1,000 cases as it is for 300. So I've been trying to make a little, uh, like a barrel here, a barrel there more, Um but it just it takes capital to do that. Just um, and doing just a barrel here and there more just helps offset the cork and uh, and label pricing. You yeah, know, it's amazing how much yeah. of a difference it makes. Yeah, um, just a doing, little bit higher quantity. Just by doing a little higher quantity. Well, yeah. and you know, to, and you're, uh, it's also like the most expensive way you could have ever made Signet Rose. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you took something that and was free I didn't, and I, you made it as expensive as possible right, on your right. end. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure that I, I'll make another rose because yeah. it was very much dictated by the vintage. I made the wine because the vintage said, you have the opportunity to do this. But let's do it right. So I didn't make one in, in 15 or 17. And I don't anticipate making one in 18, to be honest right. with you. And I'm not sure I would make another one. You know, I, it, it was fun, but it was a pain. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, that was a painful process. I mean, to make rosé, you, you know. But I think it turned out really well. Yeah. I, like, I like the texture of the wine. I like the balance of the wine. Yeah. Uh, it really does. Uh, Dustin Vallette up at Vallette in uh, Healdsburg uh, di- paired it. He's gone through like three cases of it in his tasting menu. 
so on a on a prefix like five course, he has it as one of the courses, and people are loving it. I've I've got a guy in uh, New York that is on his fourth case of it. Now. Wow! And my wife's like, why doesn't he just buy the the Pinot? And I said, because he likes the rosé. He really. Yeah, he does. He bought like six bottles of the Pinot and six of the Shardy. So, well, the, you know, the six, the but the Pinot is in his cellar. Yeah, and exactly. And maybe the Chardonnay is too. Yeah, but the Rosé is in that fridge under his counter, right in his, in, you know, right yeah. in his dining in his kitchen. And he's yeah. drinking. And those it. bottles are going. No, and it's yeah. really drinkable. I'm used to drinking yeah. a very much a lighter and tighter mm-hmm. um, style Rosé, and this yeah. has got that really nice mouthfeel, but just goes down so easy. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. I, you yeah. know, that was part. That was the rosé ferment, Signe juice fermented on pressed skins, in barrels, and then add <laughs> juice back to it. It's, I mean, it's nuts. It's crazy. It's, 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 Explanation uh, on the label. Just yeah. about the yeah. hardest way you could do it. it, it, it a little bit. There, you could have done some other. Th- maybe yeah. one or two you things. Could have done some there, other things. To yeah. make it a little if I bit did it again, I think I would buy actual grapes for rosé. Grown to be rosé. Yeah, grown yeah. to be rosé. Bob, there's a little paragraph on the bottom of the labels that I, I have to ask you about. It's very beautiful. Mm. Um, I especially love the very last line. Um, I'm not going to try to read it. Maybe somebody else will because my glasses are failing me. But um, yeah, this was pretty cool. So within the label, that if you look at the label, um, there's colors that kind of bleed together. The like on the troubadour, there's red and gold. It, again, it goes back to the old letter pressing of the of the Fillmore posters. You know, you couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't exactly trying to sneak the Chardonnay, Chardonnay out of the door. <laughs> and then uh, in he was going to buy some, and then he found out how much it cost. Yeah. And then he's like, "Well, I'm going to have to steal this bottle then." <laughs> it and is then, so good. Bob. And then in bubble letters backwards, each label has a different uh, lyric. And on the Pinot Noir, it says, "You are only coming through in waves," and that's a, a lyric from a Pink Floyd song, and um, "Comfortably Numb," and uh, you know this. Each, each of these lyrics and these songs do have some personal meaning for me. And with subsequent vintages, in 2016, I actually have four different lyrics per label. So you aren't going to know which label oh, you get interesting. when you buy it. Oh, so it's uh, like... The wine a- will be the same, but... Um, Wait, so then be, I have to buy all four to get the set, well, right? You, don't you probably have to buy like 12 of them to get... probably have to buy a couple cases yeah. of it there, Brian. So, <laughs> but but yeah. that also makes cost more for the label oh yeah yeah it does all, all of this that's stuff. the uh, equivalent yeah. of mixing yeah. pressed pinot noir skins into your label making process <laughs> right so on the bottom of every label it says this is truly a family collaboration of our sincere love of the wine business and all it is given to our family these wines are purposely crafted to synchronize all of your senses your emotions and senses our wish is that you will enjoy them with your favorite music or song to complete the pinta. Meaning with wine, you can see it, you can smell it, you can touch it, and you can taste it. You just can't hear it. And I think it's important that you stimulate all five senses anytime you're eating or enjoying people. So that's... Kind of a quirky Bob Cabral thing, the Pinta, the, Penta. the five senses. <laughs> well, it's cool. We work on the, even the, the designer was like, here. nobody's gonna get that, and I go, I don't care. This is the one. I don't even care if anybody buys this because I'll drink it. Right. And then it. That's how you know you're making good wine. That's definitely started as the sixteen six hundred yeah. ethos was. Yeah. If nobody buys any of it. We get to drink we a get lot to, of really great exactly. wine. You know? The worst thing that could happen yeah. is nobody buys it, and that means we get to drink all this wine. The last sentence says, "Once inspired." Please do something special to change someone's life or make a difference in your community. And I think that kind of says why we, we started the project. So we've been fortunate enough to be able to make donations to local schools around here. Uh, not just a bottle, but actual financial you know, money donations. We, Emerald asked me to uh, donate a three liter for his big auction last November. And I was really kind of leery about doing that. I only did three of them. He said, but I got a couple of collectors and buyers that love you and love your wines. And um, finally I said, okay, I'll do this. 
And I thought, okay, you know, maybe we'll get 10, 12, you know, you kind of hope and you're like, maybe we'll get $15,000. Yikes. It went for $75,000. Yeah. You are kidding. And I seriously, I got dizzy. I was, I was stunned that these two guys were, were, were fighting over a a bottle. I Uh, hope, I hope this is a signed bottle. Did you oh, sign yeah. that bottle? <laughs> did, did, did you wow. pull the old trick? I sent the guy a case of the 750s for Christmas. Are you kidding me? I was like, you know. But God I didn't damn, have $75,000 to give to the, the charity, the, the children. Um, and I'd been out to St. Michael's School on a foundation tour, which is a, a Catholic-run school for special needs kids, so a lot of Down syndromes and, and just kids from parents that were like the bridge drug at drug at drug addicts or you know they just don't have a chance in life and these kids are just so beautiful they're just they're wonderful and um to be able to just give a bottle of wine and raise seventy five thousand dollars i'll Difference do this making money i would do money. this all day so you kind of once you kind of find your calling i think you need to to embrace that calling and mine seems to be making these wines. I don't know why I can make wine like this. And I gave up trying to figure out. But people seem to like them. Why not? Let's just go with it. And let's see how much good we can do with it. So that's what this right brand is really about. Wow. Yeah, congrats, you know? man. Unbelievable. The prices look high, but... Um, then did you when go the fires hit, you know, yeah. I mean, we all... I, I'm surprised we haven't brought that up. But, you know, on Thursday... Um, I still, I'm still on the trust, uh, trustee at Sonoma Country Day School where my daughter went from fourth to eighth grade. And I called the headmaster, Brad Weaver, who's just got a, a wonderful human being. And that school, every kid should get an education like that. We shouldn't have to pay that much for that kind of education. Mm. But every kid deserves that education. And I will always support that school. So I'm still a trustee there. And I said, Brad, what do you guys need at this point? And he said, to be honest with you, we got plenty of food shoes clothing gift cards Mm. to like target so people can go buy their own shampoo their own toothpaste their own deodorant so pay i said page to my daughter because school was all shut down i said we grabbed the winery checkbook the bob cabral wines checkbook with not much money in it at the time (laughs) but we went down to safeway and we bought um 50 $100 Target gift cards. And so, and the lady at Safeway was like, she didn't know how to do this kind of thing. (laughs) Like, so she had to bring in it. So it took us a while to get this done. And then Paige said, you know, a lot of these people like to stop at Starbucks on their way to school and, you know, bring some normalcy back into people's lives where, as you all know, it was just chaotic around here. I mean, I think we were all in a daze for like a month, let alone that first week. More. Yeah. So... We, we picked up another $1,000 worth of $25 gift cards to Starbucks, and we went down to Sonoma Country Day, and then I had Paige give them to Brad. God, that must make you feel good. Well, it, it made and me feel family. good that Paige wanted to do it. Yeah. yeah. That this is, this is what you do. You take care of your community. Give people shelter yeah. from the storm. Yeah. And, and you right. know, we have this opportunity with wine and the fact that, you know, we're – Still, the same farming families that you know yeah. you grew up on in, yeah. in in Modesto, and but now we have this thing, and this is you know we talked about this in the last one where the products that we in you know in your career have gone from a commodity to a luxury good, and you know if there's people out there who are willing to spend seventy five thousand dollars for a three I mean, liter of wine for charity, for charity but yeah. yeah, we have this opportunity to to leverage. The, the notoriety and the value that we've created in these wines and do something good with it in the community. And, and you know, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, uh, that's awesome. And, and more people need to be doing that uh, out there because we have we have the opportunity to do yeah. it. Yeah. So that's 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 the goal is to, you know, try to build up enough capital on an annual basis. Uh, a couple weekends ago, we had the Healdsburg Farmers Fair. And so I bought two pigs and then two pins of chickens. And it was kind of funny because a couple of the kids' animals that I tried to buy uh, early in the sale, you know, 
went for pretty good money. And my wife was like, it was getting cold and the sale kind of drug out. But like 11 o'clock at night, you've got those last kids who didn't get the champion, but still loved and took care of those animals every day, fed them all the expensive feeds, exercised them, cleaned their pens. They just happened to be in, at the end. That meat right. is awesome meat. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up buying like, it wasn't the last pig of the sale, but it was like the fifth to the last, out of 200 pigs, I think I got pig number 194 and pig number 186. <laughs> And, you know, no, but everybody's gone. There's no bidders there. And, and I know the auctioneers pretty well. And I just kind of sat there. I wasn't going to let this poor kid get the lowest price because he didn't have a bidder. Right. So finally, the auctioneer says, you know, you're bidding against yourself. And I said, and I nodded. <laughs> and he said, and so when he finally got up to like six bucks a pound, that was the lowest that, that or there, there was a couple at five earlier. But I said, OK, you know, that's it. Because I don't want that kid to be that, yeah. you know. Yeah. I want him to be yeah. stimulated right to want to raise another animal and understand caring for an animal and understanding our food life cycle. This is real world stuff. Yeah, so. and make them feel good about all yeah. the work that they put into it. Yeah, well, and, and this is our heritage here. Yeah, you know, it, it just, support farmers, man. Yeah, I mean, support the farmers. We're all farmers. I mean, yeah, you know, we talked about this a lot in the, the last episode that we had you on. You know, you went through what it took to make a hundred point wine, and everything you said was in the vineyard. Uh, but everything that this is, you know, in Sonoma County, it's a, it's an agricultural county, and yet right now, uh, one wine, in one wine in is, five kids in Sonoma County. This is a horrible statistic. Doesn't get enough food. Wow. Well, just the wine industry brings in $2 billion into Sonoma County. And one in five children right now in Sonoma County do not get enough food. And what I found through Emerald Lagasse's foundation is a lot of these kids, even in like New Orleans, summertime's the worst time. These kids don't, don't get fed. He, we right. are putting programs in place so that these kids have... The only meals they were getting during the day was breakfast, lunch, and then a snack. And then they'd go home and they wouldn't eat again. And some of these kids in New Orleans would go home on Friday and not get a meal till Monday again when they got back to school. And I think that's just a crime. It is. Because we're all, I think we're good farmers here in the United States. We're trying to provide we for throw, people. throw food but away. But we waste so yeah. much food. And we've got to get it to these these kids. These kids to have a chance have got, they can't go to school and learn things if they're hungry. You know? Right. And so whatever we can do, I, you know, I think it's just, yeah. I think it's a social obligation. And, it you know, is, I, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think we do enough for it. Well, you're doing point. more than your yeah. share. Well, again, obviously. that's that's the purpose of Bob Cabral yeah. Wines. And sometimes well, I don't necessarily, so, I appreciate the forum today, you guys, yeah. seriously, no. to be able to get this out. Because, you know, this looks like expensive wine, but. I mean, like I said, after operating costs, this isn't putting a new Tesla in my driveway or even or even put my my daughter is fortunate enough. She's at um, Sonoma Academy right now. I'm hoping she gets into one of the UC schools here because it'll be cheaper than high school at this point. <laughs> but she's thriving. She just I just saw her grades and, and the kid got all A's, a B plus and a B. And she's pissed about the B. Well, she just she's too dressed. She's too right. much like daddy yeah. here. She's just I'm like, relax and watch a ball game. And like, <laughs> you know, they're not going to judge you at the pearly gates because you got to be in humanities. Right. I mean, you got the A in geometry. You got the A in chemistry. You know, she's trying. Uh, she petitioned and got into next year. She gets to take honors physics. That would have freaked me out in high honors school. Honors physics. I'm like yeah, honors. Yeah. I barely passed it in college, you know. And so I'm glad I didn't that take that, it. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that Paige no, no. has that drive, but she also has empathy, right. which is something you can't teach kids. No. And it was great to have her go around and want to give these these gift cards out. And she wants to be a part of Bob Cabral Wines, which I think is wonderful. That's what I was going to ask. Is she interested at all in the family uh, business? You know, right now, no, to be honest with you. She wants to um, study in a, a business. To, she's been looking at colleges. Right now, her passion um, is theater arts. She likes mm. to be in plays. She just, 
help. She was just the stage manager at um, Sonoma Academy's production of uh, Into the Woods. Mm. She's been in Cabaret. She's been in um, Romeo and Juliet, set in the 60s, 1968, post-Altamont. She, so she, <laughs> she's, she sit, and these kids play all the music. So it was Zeppelin, Hendrix. It was amazing. If you can ever go to Sonoma Academy and just check out this school, it's, it's amazing. I'd go back to high school just because <laughs> it's so amazing. Again, I think every child should have that type of education where they want to be there and they want to be safe. You know, they staged a walkout for gun control. And I was behind it 100%. That's, good. That's really good. You know, you've, you know these kids have got to go to school and feel safe. Well, you know? And, and it's not going to happen by giving uh, teachers uh, guns. No. no it's and it's just not going to, you know, they need to secure these, these campuses. That's a real I think, conundrum is, is part there. of it. Boy, it mean, is. What the hell do you And I didn't do? mean to bring that up. No, but I, I mean, I'm just, I'm proud that on she's. On the other hand, I'm glad so you did. She's really not interested in winemaking right now, but, you know. Neither were Steve Kistler's daughters or Tom Rocchioli's kids or Tom da- Tom Dalinger's kid, Eva, is the winemaker there now. And I remember when she was four or five years old running around at harvest parties when I was at Deloach Vineyards. She, she was on the cover of Wine Spectator. So, you know, you, know, it's you never know where your kids are going to end up. I, I, had a, I had an interview with um, Tom Dalinger one time and. Uh, he didn't. He knew that he needed some help, and I, somehow or another, I came across uh, his interviewing, and I said, "Well, don't you have some family?" And he says, "Oh, he goes, I don't think my daughter will ever want anything to do yeah. with this." And yeah, and I think it, we it, all felt like yeah, that, feel like that. Yeah, and and it's it's very yeah. cool that she came back around to it, and yeah. he's doing such a great job. Ryan Rocchioli's working with Tom in the cellar, and Rachel's, you know, in in the business office. She has a degree, I believe, from. UCLA in business, business management. So, you know, you don't know where your kids are going to end up. And I just want her happy. I just told her, you're going to get to work the rest of your life. Do something that you love to do. And it's not necessarily about that final bottle, but it's the journey getting there. And I think that's that's where, when we're working on Bob Cabral wines, it's funny because we play a lot of music in the cellar at Three Sticks. That's a and good not thing. necessarily... You got to remember, my winemaker's barely forty. His assistant's like thirty-five. The enologist is thirty-one. There, you know, so and we don't necessarily listen to the same music. Not all so, your music. So right? when we're crushing and we're taking care of Bob Cabral wines, getting them into the fermenters, you know, they're awesome. They put on some Zeppelin, some Stones, some Floyd, and it's it's great that that they appreciate what I'm Complete trying to penta. do here. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there's the a finish the penta. You know, yeah. you have a great quote is, is uh, my legacy is the people who have learned from me, not the many wines I have created. Totally. And it, yeah. it seems to be a common thread in, uh, in your life. Yeah. I, I just, I want to, I want to mentor those next winemakers. I really yeah. do. Grape growers, farmers. I just farmers. want kids to stay in agriculture. I mean, 4-H is Boy, kind of a thing of a... do we need it now, Yeah, too. they're kind of a thing of the you past know, I now. mean, it, it's... Uh, I'm from Iowa, which has just become one huge industrial hog farm. One yeah. big piece of corn. And, yeah. and <laughs> corn and soybeans with yeah. Roundup. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 the, the wrong way to do it. And now I have some friends who are doing it right, letting their land like fo- follow for five years, I think they let it sit, well, and then went back... And now they're growing greens that are for restaurants. And well, it's outside of Des Moines. So in Des Moines, but they fly to Chicago. They fly sure. them to New York. They fly them all over the place. Yeah. You know, first day and fresh stuff. And they're doing $100,000 an acre out of that. Yeah. I'm rereading kind of Steiner's, you know, agricultural book again, just to refresh myself about his thought process and his methods. And I probably haven't read it in 20 years. And my wife was like, "What? What are you reading?" You know, because she picked it up and it's looked a tough at read. It. It's a tough read. It's like reading biochemistry, or you know, there's, there's, it, it's a tough read. But it's about as for about me, as dense as it gets. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's it, it definitely touches. It has its touch points though, where we can apply it to day to day life, and not just grape growing. You know. Right. I have 25 heritage fruit trees on my property. 
up in Dry Creek, and you know, there's a place down in Paso Robles called Trees of Antiquity, and they have these old heritage variety stone fruits and um, peaches, pears, nectarines, uh, figs that the commercial guys don't use anymore because they don't ship well. They want to pick a peach and have it last for like six weeks. Yeah. yeah. I want to pick a peach and have it rotting within two days in my refrigerator. Yeah. And these are so flavorful. And my, as I have six varieties of peaches and I staggered them. So the first variety will start coming on here pretty quick. And we'll have peaches till almost September. My daughter makes cobblers and I bring them into work or she takes them, she takes them to school. And believe it or not, even at a place like Sonoma Academy, some of these kids are like, I've never had a peach like this. You know, where did you get those? And she's like, oh, my dad. Well, you can <laughs> you know? spend all the money in the world at Whole Foods even. And you're you know, just and not going to get, gonna get the yeah. same thing that, you you know, the freshness. There's a great, you know, you know Robert Kamen. Yeah. Uh, right next door to us. Yeah, exactly. The and the, there's, there's uh, on his property up on the hill, I, my dad's planted a ton of stone fruit and he was in search of the freshest possible taste of a peach. So, you know, he would go down and pick one and bring it up to his, his studio. And like, that wasn't good enough. So he'd yeah. go down and then pick it and eat it right there on the tree. And then he realized that the thing that he has to do is to have a bite of the peach while it's still on the, the tree. tree? Yeah. So he's sitting there, he's like yes. trying to figure out, like it's like bobbing for peaches, and then he, and he looks, or, and, and he gets his bite of this peach, and he lifts his head up, and there was like four or five guys from my dad's crew to sit in there staring at him going, this is this is the guy we all work for who's this multimillionaire, and we're right. watching him bob for peaches, peaches on, on his tree. Right. Well, right. have you guys ever seen that, uh, you know, sushi, they, it's always a competition. How fresh can you get the fish? But right. they will nail live eel to a board and skin <laughs> right. it while it's still squirming and serve it while it's still moving. Right. I mean, I think Bob Sounds would probably delicious. enjoy that. And, no. I, and, I, <laughs> no. and I love the uh, bobbing for peaches, Bob yeah. Kamen. Bob, yeah. Bob Kamen's yeah. bobbing yeah. for peaches. Bobbing for right. peaches. That should be a new competition <laughs> yeah. every year. Yeah. <laughs> Who can get the bite off the pe- the freshest bite off the freshest peach tree? Oh, uh, this one's not quite ripe. Darn it. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, grape growing is very much the same way. As, you yeah. know, we're trying to make these picking decisions. You know, when is it at its perfect peak for our vision in the glass? And, you know, that's a real issue now with with labor, you know, not having the the amount of labor that we need to do this and accomplish the goal. And so, you know, I'm trying to my costs going into these bottles are a little bit higher because I'm trying to bribe the my growers to put me kind of at the top of the list so that I get it picked when I want it picked. Otherwise, it's like. I'm just making wine again. Yeah. You know? And I don't want to. You're not just making wine with this. You're really really helping, doing something different, doing something amazing. You know, the money you're raising for charity off of the Bob Cabral line is fantastic. And And the the wines are delicious, And the wines are fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If you're out there listening and, you know, 75, 100, 125 is maybe pushing the upper limit of Mm -hmm. dig deep. Buy a bottle, know it's going to go to do some good, and you know this is when you do that, you get to enjoy wines of, of this quality. So this is you know, what you can't you can't yeah. find it at well, and, else. and feel good about it, in, right? And yeah. it's not just ways. going to a big corporation; right. yeah. it's yeah. going to it's going to do some good. Help yeah. help pay for the debt that I know you're in from five thousand oh dollars worth of freaking <laughs> gift cards. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah, I won't even go there. <laughs> you know, I said there was a uh, ceiling on. Yeah, on well, I've, lo- yeah. I've loaned the company I, some, uh, some more money. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but my, I kind my, of figured my, it. My, my wife asked me about that, and I just said, well, it's a loan. Don't, right. don't worry a, about it's it. It's a loan. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's they're a, not going to be paying us back yeah, anytime n- no soon. No interest, <laughs> uh, no payments. Right. Those first years uh, before you're selling the wine are tough. They are. Yeah. I mean, it's the craziest thing. You've got like two vintages, like before you even bottle. Right. And you, that you have everything. Everything. And and all the, nobody's waiting for, well, you're not going to sell the wine for three years. I'll wait for my money. Yeah. Yeah, Nobody's doing that. No. You got to pay. It's, uh, it's great. And that's why, you know, the finance guys that come into this business all the time Mm -hmm. and go out just as quickly because you have, you know, if you're from raw land, to actually selling a bottle, you're looking at seven to ten years. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't fit on any 
P&L, any like no Wharton School of Business. No, no, no spreadsheet nope. wants to see that kind of nope. just, you know, the 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 barrier to entry is high. And, you know, you have to have to, to make a, a project like this. You have, you know, the connections that you can leverage and, and you know. Yeah, I've been to fortunate no. to be able to source the grapes. And <laughs> it's kind of it, even to expand the Chardonnay program. I, I got it. The, the fruit from a, a pretty famous winery and uh, the vineyards are out in the Occidental Freestone area, but the agreement was that I would never mention the name huh, where yeah. I got it. And th- I actually, their lawyer sent me an NDA and I signed it. And I'm oh, just like, okay. I won't ask. No, the, you, use your imagination. Yeah, right. It's right. in the Occidental yeah. Freestone area. Yeah. So. Well, Bob Cabral, thank you for coming on. I mean, we've been lucky enough to have him. Yeah, this is, oh, this is great. Two shows. No. This is incredible. Your line of wines is not only beautiful, but you're doing such good work well, with thank it. You. That's thank really you. amazing. I'm glad we gave you an opportunity to uh, get some, uh, you know, some publicity on this. Yeah. You need yeah, well, more. You. Yeah, you, know, yeah, well, you, Kathy, you deserve. Who, who uh, should be writing? Yeah, about well, that. I'll, we'll Eric send her Asimov a link. Should be writing. We'll. we'll uh, I mean, yeah, you deserve you. Uh, a ton of kudos. The Bob, wines are great and you know being able to give back that way seventy five thousand dollars for an imperial right oh crazy stuff which is great so you know see what we can do next i wonder what that guy does for a living i don't know but what i would have done after that actually has gone to my foundation i've gotten to know him seriously he's he's really a wonderful wonderful man Oh, if I had sold a $75,000 three liter, I'd have gone into my cellar, popped open some 750s and been like, oh, I just found four more three liters. What do you know? <laughs> right. Well, I was wondering, did the uh, the guy bidding against him, did he hit you up for a second bottle of it? No, but I would have gladly yeah, given a say, second bottle. Really like that, if he'd have matched that. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's more years. Absolutely. So, you incredible. Know. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We are yeah. the winemakers. Brian? Uh, I just want to mention uh, how, how we do you get find all these, of these wines. wines. Yeah, I think that's important. So uh, yeah, our website. Uh, again, my my wife does all the sales. Uh, uh, it's just uh, bobcabralwines.com. One L. One L. C A B R A L wines.com. Bob Cabral, and um, yeah, you go to the acquire page. You don't buy it; you acquire it. Let's be civil about all this, right? I like this. <laughs> Um, and it's delivered by horse and then, drawn uh, it's it's uh, you you can it's a shopping cart so you can you can buy it. We don't we don't have any other uh, retail outlets, but my wife has started placing it in some restaurants, and she started in Healdsburg, so it's at oh. Valette. Okay. Uh, the Pinot's at Valette. The Chardonnay is at Willie's Wine Bar. The Pinot and Chardonnay are at the Bocce, the Italian restaurant on Healdsburg Avenue, and then the. Pinot is also at uh, the Brass Rabbit, Rabbit, which is the old Bistro Ralphs. Okay, I'd love yeah. to get some some of the Chardonnay yeah. and Desante. That'd be great at the yeah. uh, Sonoma Mission. No, that would that would be awesome. And we actually do have a wholesale price. So it's <laughs> okay. not it's not it's not great, but it's not. As we don't bad care. As, yeah. We just mark it up. Whatever you charge us, we just well, mark it up accordingly. Right. You know yeah. what's funny though is um, when Heather and I talked about it too. Is we're selling it in threes and six packs too. We and, and I've also let, because I know all the local restaurateurs in Healdsburg, it's when we get ready to actually, the, the next release is going to be uh, at the end of this month for the 16s. Um, and then I'll just, whatever I haven't sold, I'm going to kind of hold on to for now. Because I'm just, I'm getting calls from a few riders that want to taste yeah. them and and we'll test that those waters. We'll expect that to really go up after the podcast. No, no, no. They, the price won't change, but but I think... No, the interest will. Though. The interest will, hopefully. That's the yeah. idea. Um, well, you guys... Bart's mom is going to download this episode 25,000 times and then try and buy all the wine. Yeah, Good. There you go. There you go. Uh, so then... Uh, you know, if you when we we don't release the wine, so we'll sell them in or start selling them in late June, early July, but we don't ship till the third week of October. And for a couple of reasons, that first vintage, I needed some capital to buy glass and cor- or to. Yeah, um, not buy glass, but pay for grapes for the next year. So um, but I'm in a pretty good cycle now. So I'm I'm, I'm doing OK. I just got to quit. Giving it away is what my wife says. <laughs> no, don't Quit giving do that. It. No, I, I'm not going to. If it's not coming out of Bob Cabral Wines, it's coming out of our personal checking account. Um, 
but if you don't sell the wines, I want fresh vintages. So I'll just swap out. Like if you had 15 Pinot on there, you know, you bought three bottles and you only sold two of them. I would take that one bottle back and just flip you into the next vintage. I want to make sure the restaurants that it's a win-win for everybody. You know, yeah, it, it, it can't be, you know, I don't want a 2015 on the list when it's, you know, 2025. Cause that people just look at that and they, they just, why don't. is it, why has it been hanging around? Yeah, for the exactly. Last 10 years? They, they start to, want, so, you know, I think it's important that you partner like anything in the wine business with, with your restaurants or yeah. retailers. So great. great. Well, you can't do any better than getting into Sante. So that's a good thing. Well, so I love I, that restaurant. Thanks over for there. listening, everybody. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, really, really good. And Sam, any final comments? Uh, if you go, if you like this episode, go and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your uh, please, your podcasts. Please. That all those reviews, five stars, uh, might not mean much to you, but uh, it's how people find out about our podcast and they uh, when they're searching through iTunes and stuff like that. New new listeners out there, so please check that out. Uh, also. Uh, Vinyl Sunday, July eighth. Uh, Excellent. My rose release party. Excellent. I, I didn't. I didn't mix any uh, Pinot Noir skins with the rose though. Just old school <laughs> rose. It's okay. It's, it's only thirty five dollars a bottle. Sam, <laughs> Sam's nuts. He's sane. Bart, He's sane. You? Any finals? No, Bob. Thank you for coming on. I, you know, yeah, we've awesome. uh, no, met a long, long time ago, and uh, it's it's you've you've certainly been very, very busy uh, the past <laughs> twenty five or thirty years that it's been. So, congratulations on your success. So, thank you, Brian. Uh, just buy some Bob. Thoroughly wine. enjoyed the wines. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but absolutely. you know, I like Bob and and like uh, Bart. You know, I've got a ten year old daughter. Bart's got a ten year old son. So we. We understand the joys and um, and having a child that has empathy. Um, yeah, that really um, yeah. Um, it resonates. Re- resonates with, with me, yeah. and 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 I think that's a very cool thing yeah. that uh, Paige has right. got that attitude. Yeah, yeah. I well, thank you, Bob. Her. Thank you, so, John. So much appreciated. Yeah. All right. Next vintage, maybe we'll do another another cast. Cool. I think I, I think even I do have something that. on my sleeve. So all right, Riesling. sounds great. Right. Hey, Crazy Riesling. The summer listening. of Riesling is upon us. There yeah, we go. Right. It's perfect. A momentary lapse of Riesling. <laughs> <Yeah. Ooh. laughs>